It's great to be with everyone this morning. Everyone's looking a little more alive this week than they were last week with daylight savings. <laughs> that was a doozy, am I right? All the parents are like, please pass the bill, please pass the bill. We don't want this anymore. Uh, it's like jet lagging yourself and your kids and anyways, it's horrible. But it's good to see you all, good to be back this week. Um, we're, I'm continuing our sermon series today, our faithful people of faith. Who's been enjoying it so far? Amazing. Well, okay. Come on. A little more enthusiasm. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> I was a youth pastor for, you know, years and years, so I like, I like a little crowd participation, so feel free to, to do that this morning. Last week, Duncan uh, preached an amazing message on faith over fear. Um, if you didn't get a chance to take a photo of that, um, of those slides that he had um, with his chart, we posted them on our social media, so feel free to look at that if you want to see it more in person. Save it to your phone. It's just an amazing um, visual image of when we operate out of faith versus when we operate out of fear, and it's really good. So make sure you, you check that out. But this morning, I'm going to be speaking today on baptism of water and baptism of fire. So... We have some amazing uh, people signed up next week to be baptized. I'm really excited about that. I feel like we haven't done baptisms um, in a while just with COVID. Trying to navigate, like, how do you dunk people in a water together, <laughs> be close together. Um, but we're really excited to be doing our baptisms again next week. And I'm just really excited, too, to see how many of our youth are signed up and our kids that are signed up to do this. That's, like, how it should be in a way. This is, like the greatest opportunity for revival, for salvation is in that 4 to 14 window. And it's just amazing to see these kids and these students being like, I want to publicly declare to my church and my church family who Jesus is in my life. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And this is a verse about the baptism of Jesus and John the Baptist as he prepares the way for the coming of Jesus, the Savior. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water for repentance, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In those days, Jesus came, to came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So this is actually the first recorded baptism in the Bible. And John had a ministry that was, it says here, a ministry of baptism by repentance. And so he was kind of going up against that, the oppression of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and people. And he was saying to 
uh, in Matthew, there's um, part of the verse where he's like, you serpents, repent. You snakes, repent. And Jesus, he's prophesying. He says that I will, there's someone coming after me who is sandals I'm not even worthy to untie and he will baptize you not with water but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now Jesus hasn't even mentioned the Holy Spirit. He's never even claimed a title for who he is and he's he's speaking about something that isn't even a revelation that anyone has words to. Like what is this Holy Spirit? What is this fire? What does that mean? And this week I was um I was talking with one of my friends, uh, he's a youth leader here at, um, at Ignited, and he moved from California this past year to come and do his master's at Duke Divinity. And we were talking, and I like to kind of run things by him, because <laughs> I'm like, is this, like, can you tell me more about the context of this and what's happening? Is this right? And he was telling me that when John is speaking, he's talking about the context of death, of literally, of a full submersion in a fire, like a full death to yourself. And as you go into that water, you are fully dying of yourself and you're coming up alive. And we know, we know that, but it's also meaning just completely immersed, completely engulfed, completely submerged in the fire, in the Holy Spirit. And that to me was pretty powerful because people this concept of baptism was new to the Israelites. There was the cleansing, there was the purification that they were used to, there was the annual cleansing, but you'd have to go to the temple, you'd have to have, you know, a, a sacrifice, you'd have to go to the priest, and then they would cleanse you and wash you clean. But here they are with a man that says, wears like animal skins and eats locusts and wild honey. And he probably had like scraggly hair and he was probably like not at all what they pictured. And he's there and he's preparing the way for the savior. And this is completely new, a new concept, a new paradigm for um, these Israelites because they were so used to following the Levitical law. So before Jesus's baptism, the last known time that in the gospels we heard about Jesus was when he was about 12 years old and his family would go to Jerusalem during Passover and Mary and Joseph, they couldn't find Jesus. You remember this? And where is he? He's like teaching in the, in the temple, in the synagogue. And he was 12 years old. Right now in this story, he's now 30 years old. So he goes dark for like a good 18 years and he's serving faithfully, probably his father, Joseph. It was probably a family business of carpentry. And he's a carpenter and he's serving faithfully. And now this is a moment where God's like, I'm going to use John now to fulfill my prophecy. As we read earlier in, the, in Mark, in Isaiah 40, where he says, a voice crying out in the wilderness will prepare the way of the Lord. And John, though, he, he's baptizing everyone. He's dunking them. He's like, you serpents, repent. You snakes, repent. Repent, repent, repent. Oh, you savior? <laughs> savior? <laughs> what are you doing here? Why are you here? I just told them I wasn't even, un like, I wasn't even fit to untie your sandals. And now you're saying you want to be baptized? Now, I was thinking about this, and I was like, imagine the public perception, okay? Jesus is walking into a context where the baptism is for repentance of your sins. And then he's about to start a ministry as the savior of the world, the savior from all the world's sins. 
and he chooses to be baptized, making it almost look like he needs to be, like, baptized from his sins. But he, he's acting in a place of obedience to the will of the Father because he knows that this is the way that the fulfillment of the scriptures had to be. He had to fulfill his Father's will by going and being baptized in this water. And... John says in Matthew 3, 14, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. How many of us, there's something where God has said something, he's prophesied something, and we have to obey to to see the fulfillment of that, and yet we run away from that voice, right? I call it pulling a Jonah. It's when God says something, and you're like, nah, better not. Call it by pulling my Jonah. And um, there's, I have this story. I was, uh, I was living in Mozambique. I had graduated high school, and I was at the end of my harvest school of ministry. And I was walking to the bathroom. I wish it was a cooler story. It was not. I was walking to the bathroom and my knee popped, like dislocated, okay? And I fall on the floor. And that night there was an election in the town. And there's one main street that connects like most of all of it. And so people were just in the streets everywhere. And that night, all of the doctors and the nurses, they should have had like someone on call on the base, but they all decided to go 20 minutes down the beach to another base to have a celebration because it was the end of the school year and yay, thank you so much for serving. And there I am laying out like with my knee out. And um, it took an hour for someone to come get back to me. And because of that, I had torn like different ligaments in my knee. My kneecap was all twisted and up and it was horrendous. And my knee was so swollen that like I couldn't even bend it. I had to go in this like straight leg brace. And I came back, and when I was there, actually, people were prophesying, God's going to heal your knee, God's going to heal your knee. And, um, like, every time someone prayed for me, I had faith, I would believe it. And I wasn't seeing my knee being healed. Anyone else relate to this sometimes? Yeah. But I knew that people had spoken, God is going to heal your knee. I'm like, okay, God's going to heal my knee. So I'm in um, Toronto. I went up to a conference called Heavy Rain, and Jonathan and Melissa Helser were leading worship. And this was before, this was like 10 years ago, so no one knew who they were. I knew who they were. I was so excited. I'm like, they're from North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina. I've been to their worship nights all the time. And um, I'm laying on the ground in worship, and I'm honestly having a pity party for myself. I'm like, my knee hurts so bad. God, why haven't you healed me? Blah, blah, blah. And... I knew that this promise had been spoken, but I was like, I, I don't even know. I don't see how, like, everyone's praying for me. It's not happening. But God, he says to me, take off your brace and go and dance. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, like, in the natural. Why would I obey this, God? Like, my knee is like, the doctor literally said to me, I think I was with you, Dad, your kneecap is like a teacup bobbing in the ocean. Like, you need surgery. And, <laughs> and so... I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Kept lying on the ground feeling sorry for myself. God's like, take off your brace and dance. I'm like, but God, I'm going to be like hobbling. I didn't even have faith for that I could even dance. I was like, I'm going to, literally, I, I was like, okay, okay. I go off to the side, 
I take off my brace like very cautiously and I literally go like this on my good knee. <laughs> Mustering up every bit of faith and courage. And God's like, take off your knee and dance. So I, I just am like testing a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. By the end of that moment, I was literally running up and down the side, praising God. It had been like six, seven weeks of this super swollen knee like this big that couldn't move. And I could walk like normally from then on. It was, I didn't need surgery. It was a miracle, honestly. But in that moment, I, God had spoken something to me, but I was like, I, no, <laughs> this is not how. Um, and I say that all to say, because that was a Jonah moment for me where I was like, I am not going to listen to what God is saying, speaking. But then we see, as we see the, um, as we keep on reading of what happens to Jesus, it says the voice of heaven or the heavens were torn open, a dove descended and a voice came and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine you're standing there at the riverbank watching this happen? The heavens were torn open. Like, come on. And then uh, like a dove comes down and a booming voice of God, like, this is my son <laughs> in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, that would be the most epic, miraculous, amazing moment. And the validation of heaven comes and speaks over his son. The validation comes after the obedience. And this is before Jesus has opened a blind eye. This is before he's laid hands on anyone who was lame who could walk. This is before he preached anything compelling enough for people to want to stay and skip their dinner. This is before he packed out a house and people were so desperate to have their friend healed that they ripped open the roof to lay him down their friend down. This is before he's done any of that. And the validation of heaven comes after the obedience of Jesus saying, I'm, I'm fulfilling the word of my father. And heaven and God doesn't validate like people. God validates us before we do anything. People validate us for what we do. God validates us for who we are. And this is, this is before the transfiguration. This is when in the transfiguration, God says, this is my son in whom I love, listen to him. But here he's saying, this is my son in whom I love and I am well pleased. And so this morning, this is just a little side thing, but just allow God to validate your heart and speak love to your heart and affirm you. Not for what you've done, not for what you can do for him, but for who you are, for who you are to him. Yes, you can clap. <laughs> so after the baptism, there's different contexts of what happens in the Gospels. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus then goes into the desert and he's tempted by Satan. And in John, he goes and he chooses his disciples and says to them, come and follow me. And then he performs his first miracle. And this is the start of Jesus' ministry. This is, what, this is the moment where he gets his cousin, his wild desert cousin to come and baptize him and he begins his journey and his ministry and today I want to not just talk about the baptism of water but I want to talk about that baptism of fire that baptism of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like for us because I believe that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit we are filled with power we're filled with obedience we're filled with faith just like this sermon series faithful that we would be people of faith and it's more than just one moment in the water. 
It's a life of being baptized by the Holy Spirit and allowing that fire to come and consume us. That consuming, engulfing, submerging fire that happens in that moment is then carried on in a lifetime as we choose to say yes to the call of Jesus, as we choose to say, God, not my will, but your will. Whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing, God, I want to do that. I want to be in step with you. And so baptism is significant in our faith journey. Both, yes, the water baptism and then also the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we walk this out. In the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, what does Jesus say to his disciples? Therefore, go into all the earth. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Baptism was, a, was on the heart of Jesus where he's saying to his disciples, go and make disciples, baptize them. And what do they do? We see all throughout Acts, they're baptizing the new believers. They're bringing them into the kingdom of God. They're calling them to this call as well to continue to then go and make disciples themselves. Um, it, baptism is... The, it marks the entrance into our family of Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 4 says there is one body and one spirit just as you were all called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That's a lot of alls. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't tongue tie that up. But it begins this mark and this journey of our faith with Jesus, and it brings us into a bigger, greater family. We are part, look to the left and right and say, we are part of God's family. We are part of God's family. <laughs> and baptism is a public declaration, a public confession of our faith. And raise your hand if you have been baptized before in water. Okay, awesome. I remember, do you guys remember where you were and what you were doing? Yeah. So I, I remember the exact day I was baptized, actually. I was seven years old. It was at what was then called Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. And they had, like, on the stage, they had literally a baptism pool that would, like, appear. <laughs> you know, the carpet would go away, and then you're in the pool. And um, my kid's pastor, and also, was it you? Yeah. Yep. Duncan who is also my dad, baptized me. And I remember exactly what I said. Like, I rehearsed it. I knew what I was going to say. I knew the microphone was going to be on me. I'm seven years old. And they said, so why do you want to be baptized today? And I said, because I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. <laughs> and, then I got, and then I was baptized. And my sisters and I, we had a pool growing up, and we'd always, like, reenact our moment of baptism. We'd baptize one another. We'd be like, I baptize you, and then we're plugging our nose, like, dunking each other in the pool. We'd even, like, pretend we had a mic and practice what we were going to say. But even though I was seven, I still remember that moment because it was, sig it was so significant to me. And when I said that, when I said those words, I want to follow him all the days of my life, I meant it then, and I still mean it now. And <laughs> yes, come on, it's powerful. It's really powerful. Because there's, there's nothing like publicly declaring and proclaiming your faith that makes you 
feel solidified in your faith. It makes you stronger. It makes you, makes your spirit strong. And it's declaring like both to heaven, but also to the enemy, like I'm a follower of Jesus. And there's many moments in my life where sometimes I feel like I fall short of that, where our plumber was over a couple weeks ago. And he said that he, you know, he's like, he's a guy from like New York or New Jersey, I don't know. And uh, he's really nice. And he, and he told us that he had, he had cancer again. He found out he had to go have surgery for cancer. And um, it was just me and I was talking to him and it was like, I had just come in from picking up the kids from school. I needed to put them down for their nap. And I'm, I felt rushed in my, in my moment and my encounter with him. And I was like, you need to pray for him. And I was like, but I don't have time right now, but you need to pray for, you know, I'm just being real with you guys. Anyone else? I mean, just because I'm up here holding a microphone doesn't mean I have it all together all the time. I don't at all, far from that. And I was like, I need to pray. Uh, uh but like, it's embarrassing. He's from the North. He's probably doesn't even like, it's not, you know, Christian, like this is the stuff you say. Right. And so I let him go. I know. And then I told Aaron and I was like, oh, I can't believe I let him go. And I didn't even pray for him. I didn't have a moment. And we both decided because he was coming back. We're like, when he comes back, we're going to sit and we're going to pray with him if he wants that <laughs> and share the gospel with him. But then there are moments when I do feel full of faith and the Holy Spirit comes on me to, sh to share that. And one of those moments, I remember when I was in a lecture, it was a, um, an African literature class and my professor was from the Congo and he believed in like ancestral spirits. Um, and he, he liked me and my friend, like he was always really friendly and um, he invited us to come and like read extra books with him and do study hours and stuff. So I felt like I had a pretty good like kind of friendship going with him and probably why he picked on me. But he said to everyone in the class, like, raise your hand if you believe in like the monotheistic Christian God. And I was like, <laughs> looking around like UNC Chapel Hill, like, okay, there's like two of us. Cool. And then he's like hones in on me because he knows me. I'm like, shoot, just be a wallflower. Why can't you just be one of those people that just sits in the back and like puts their head down and does the work? You always have to participate. Um, it's like that movie, God's Not Dead, you know? I never watched it, but I saw the commercial. I figured it. <laughs> just keeping it real this morning, guys. I have a thing with like, it's got to be good acting. I can't, I can't with the cheese. Um, <laughs> sorry. Okay, anyways. So the Chosen's really good. Okay, anyways. Um, <laughs> so in the preview, <laughs> I saw, no, this is what people have told me. The, the professor in the class is like, who believes in God? Why do you believe in God? I literally felt like I was in that movie that I never watched. And I was like, oh my gosh, God's not dead. And I was like, okay, you got to think fast right now. So it stands, okay, you, Jessica, stand up. Tell the class why you believe in God. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is really nerve wracking. Um, and I was like, what can I say that wouldn't just be like spewing out kind of religion, verses in the Bible, like, you know, the kind of common cliche answer. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, speak from your own testimony, like speak from the power of what God has done for you and who he is for you, because no one will ever be able to take away what God has done for you. 
No one can ever deny that he moved in your life. No one can ever deny that he told you to take off your brace and get up and dance and your knee was completely healed. No one can ever take that away from you. And so in that moment, I was like, Holy Spirit, literally, I've got to dig into this submersion of you. Fill me with your power right now. Fill me with your boldness. Fill me with your faith that I would be able to share why I believe in you and what you've done for me. And I did. And it was kind of like a hush fell over the crowd. Okay, great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I didn't pass out. Um, and our baptism, not just that moment when we go under the water and we come out is a public declaration of our faith. But daily, as we baptize ourselves in the Holy Spirit, we are filled more with that boldness and we can proclaim the gospel to the world around us in our everyday life. And um, <laughs> baptism, it marks our oneness with Christ. Our oneness where on the cross, Jesus took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our sickness. He died. And what died with him? All of that died with him. And when he was buried, all of that was buried with him. And when he rose again, we were raised with him. And now we are seated in heavenly places. We are seated in glory. We got, I'm, I'm not going to go too deep because Murray next week is preaching on new creations in Christ. And I don't want to take that sermon. But Paul says in Romans 6, 3 through 4, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too might walk in the newness of life. Come on. So baptism, what does it look like to be baptized with Christ? What, does it, what do we leave behind in that water? We leave behind all of our hopelessness. We leave behind our depression. We leave behind our sickness. We leave behind our shame. We leave behind our sin and also our sinful nature. We leave behind all of that. And a life that is baptized in Jesus, a life that is engulfed in that Holy Spirit and that fire is a life of obedience. It's a life that says, I don't understand your will. I don't necessarily understand your ways. I don't understand what you're asking of me. But God, my life is laid down before you. My life is surrendered. And whatever you call me to, I'm going to say yes. Because I know that you have a plan that is going to fulfill all righteousness in my life. A life in baptism, a life of, in Christ is a life of death. Dying to ourselves, dying to our sin, dying to all of that. But then it's also a life of life resurrection life. As I was, I was thinking about someone this week, someone in our church family who lost one of their loved ones, and I was thinking about how grateful I am for the promise of resurrection life that we have in Jesus Christ. That even though we may miss them here, we're going to see them in glory forever. A life baptized in Christ is a life submerged in the Holy Spirit. For me, that means power, that means authority, that means anointing, that I get to walk in that with Jesus. And also, it means a life walking out the fruits of the Spirit. A life in the Holy Spirit is a life with the fruits of the Spirit, because where the Spirit is, that produces fruit in our life. So love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's a life walking in the gifts of the Spirit. 
prophesying, speaking in tongues, operating in healing, all of those amazing things we get to experience as we live a life fully submerged in Christ. And then a life of baptizing Christ is a life of faith. It's a life that lives on the edge, a life that lives in the adventure, a life that is like, God, I'm going to give myself a margin today getting to work or getting to the coffee shop because I want to see who you're going to, who's waiting for me that you want me to talk to. God, I want, I want to be filled with faith that I have faith to believe that my marriage is going to be restored, that my, you have a job waiting for me that's better, a promotion. Live a life of faith that my family members will be healed, that I will be healed. Even if I don't see it, I want to be filled with that faith. When I look back on my life, my very long life, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't see these massive moments that are life-defining and life-pivotal like some people have. But I see little moments in the in-between, in the day-to-day where I chose to say yes to Jesus. And I, didn't, I don't always get it right, just like I didn't with my plumber in that moment. But I see moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I said yes to him here. And look where that brought me. And look at what he's done. Because it's all, it's all of our little yeses that lead up to what he has for us. And it's saying, okay, God, I don't understand, but I know that I'm, I am surrendered to you fully. Yes, in that moment in the pool and the baptism, but also what I've chosen to live in my life as I've said yes to you as my Lord and Savior. Would you meet me in those in-between moments? Would you meet me in those small moments where I would choose to say small yeses that lead up to this great big calling? I think people are often, they hear prophetic words, they hear people speak things over their life, and they're waiting for that to just happen or fall in their lap. And God's like, I want to, like, I want your little yes here before you're even able to have your big yes over here. And it's those little moments where we choose to publicly declare who he is, both over ourselves and, and, um, and others. So what if we had an increased revelation of that? What if we began to operate in that increased revelation of, oh yeah, when I said yes to Jesus through his death, burial, resurrection, my life was fully submerged, fully died in him. What does that look like? What, what are the possibilities of my life? What if I could see fruitfulness in my family and in my marriage? What if I could see like me stepping out in evangelism and seeing people saved? What if I could see my kids healed as I lay hands on them or teach my kids how to lay hands on one another and they watch them and their siblings get healed? Like the, the, it's an endless possibility. <laughs> So, I want to invite you guys to stand. And I felt like this morning that, one, if you've never been baptized before physically in the water, I want to encourage you to sign up today, either online or come and meet us at the connections table to get baptized if you want to publicly declare your faith to this family. But also for those of us that have taken that step, we're going to take it a step further right now. That we're going to give permission for the Holy Spirit to baptize us in fire again. To baptize us in his power, in his faith. That we would walk in obedience to him. And that we would just be filled with the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. 
What if we walked into work tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., Monday morning, Monday hits, and we're like, my life is engulfed in the fire of God. How would that change my mentality? I walk into, I was thinking about high schoolers the other day, and I was like, I used to have to go into like AP statistics at 7.20 in the morning. Imagine if I went in there being like, I am dead to Christ. I'm alive in him. Or I'm dead to my sin. I'm alive in Christ. Like, come on, we can do this. Imagine if, I, if we just change our revelation of who we are and whose we are and what we can do with God and who's waiting for us that we haven't even met, that he wants to bring into his kingdom. But we gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit. We gotta be people that burn for him. We gotta be people that are baptized in fire and baptized in power and walk in obedience and walk in faith. So if you want more of that, if you want more of just the Holy Spirit, I guess that's my call this morning. Just come on to the front, or if you don't feel comfortable, you can lay hands on someone beside you, or just put your hand on your heart and just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and baptize me with fire this morning? Would you come and let your presence consume me? Would you burn away everything in my life that is not of you, everything that hinders? And would you fill me with your life? Would you fill me with your power? Would you impart to me this morning, your presence and your power. God, come on. And if you're on ministry team or if you're a connect group leader or a pastor, if you want to go around and just pray, we're going to just pray that the Holy Spirit would come and consume. And I, as, we're, as the series is the faithful, full of faith, I just really felt like, too, that the Holy Spirit wanted to impart. Um, he wanted to impart faith this morning. Faith for those people who were, are like me, where someone, an opportunity for evangelism comes, and sometimes we shy away, and sometimes we don't know what to do or what to say. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit is coming right now and just filling your heart with faith and boldness.